Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. You, Jerry, I have a question for you. Uh, during the pandemic, I watched the um, Michael Jordan um, documentary. Did you happen to watch that also? No, I did not, okay. but I would like to watch it. Okay. We well, first of all, so you need yeah. to watch it. It was fantastic. Actually, my friend from high school was one of the producers. He's one of the, the collectors of the videos. Um, he was the guy on the sideline taking all the video and they collected all of this for all these years. And then finally, during the pandemic, they put it all together and it was quite impressive. But one thing that I thought was really interesting was how Michael Jordan talked about one of his coaches, I should remember his name, but I don't, uh, really focused with the team on mindfulness. And mind you, this was back in the 90s, where now it's a term, we use it all the time, but, you know, people try to practice it, I struggle with it, but he, that's what the team did. And part of it was to block out the fans, right? Everyone kind of screaming there and, and block out also um, what the, their opponents were also, you know, the mental games that are played and really just keep themselves grounded. And I thought that was really interesting to have seen that back then. And now it's such an important practice. Um, but I know my daughters are both athletes and it, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that comes into play with being an athlete. And I'm looking forward to today's session to learning a little bit more um, about it. Yes, I am too. So today we have Leanne Pissarro. Leanne has many things going on. Let me tell you. First of all, she's a high school teacher. She teaches English, which, yay, that's wonderful. She's also a coach. And then she's helping to run this nonprofit called The Hidden Opponent. So uh, Leanne, you must take great vitamins too to get all of these things done. But uh, welcome to the show. We are really happy to have you here today and so anxious to hear about The Hidden Opponent. That's a great name and welcome. Thanks, Jerry. And thanks, Jamie, for that awesome introduction. Um, funny tidbit on the name. Kobe Bryant was actually one of our first supporters of The Hidden Opponent. And I just thought of that when you were talking about Michael Jordan. But when my co-partner, Victoria Garrick Brown, pitched the idea to Kobe at Kobe Inc. in Los Angeles, the first thing he said was, wow, I love that name. So it's funny that you just brought that up as well. But that was Kobe's first feedback. So thanks. Well, for that. Before you start, can you explain the name? I think that'll really lead into you know, what this is all about, because it really made me think when I first saw this, I thought, wow, that's really interesting and clever at the same time. Yeah, I have to give all the name credits to my co-partner, again, Victoria Garrick Brown, but um, it just goes into the idea that, yeah, there's always an opponent across the court or across the field from you or on the track or in the pool, wherever you are. But, you know, the one that's hidden and sometimes the most dangerous is the opponent that's within ourselves. And we don't always acknowledge that one. Um, we don't always know how to face that one. So we have a catchphrase here at the hidden opponent that says, you know, together we will face the hidden opponent. And I think that's really what, what we're all about. So important. So how, so go, go ahead back to how it got started. How did yeah. this happen? 
Um, Jerry and I were just chatting, but she recently just watched our TED Talk, which Victoria Garrick was a former, she is a former volleyball player from the University of Southern California. And she, at the time, was still playing volleyball there. She was entering her junior year and she randomly won a contest to give a TED Talk at USC. And USC was, you know, this TEDx campus. So they had a lot of money and a lot of um, support to run this big event. And Victoria had no idea what to speak on. And her kind of speaker advisor pushed her to talk about this topic. And she had no idea how it would be. She didn't, you know, know what was going on really, but she gave the speech. She felt good about it. And the video got uploaded to YouTube. And it is still a resource five years later that so many people look to kind of as the pillar of this conversation. So it's been really amazing to see the growth of that video, but that really started Victoria's journey uh, in the spotlight really of starting this conversation. And she's now a full-time social media influencer, which is a crazy job for someone like me who is, you know, in a classroom every day, like totally different, but I love chatting with her about what her day-to-day looks like. And she ended up kind of being like, you know, this is what we need to do. We need to start a real community around this conversation. So she founded The Hidden Opponent back in 2019. We're three years old, which is young in the nonprofit realm, but um, we've seen so much incredible growth. And it all started with a TED Talk of the same name. That's incredible. Now, how many, because I found you on... um... I think, I don't know, it was tagged on something. And I was like, oh, what's this on Instagram? But what is your, um, how many followers do you have on Instagram? I think that goes to show really what the, the need and, um, you know, the benefits that we get out of it there. And then I guess you're on TikTok. Yeah. So great question. Actually, we just hit our 50,000 follower mark on Instagram this past week. And it was a huge, huge, just milestone, I would say. Um, I believe when I joined the organization, about two and a half years ago, we had like 5,000 followers. Um, and to be at 50 was just a really awesome milestone. And I think it'll continue growing from there. Uh, Victoria touches personally on other topics as well. Just, you know, being a young woman, um, beauty standards, all that. She personally has over 2 million followers on all social platforms. I would say the hidden opponent in conjunction with all of our platforms is over 75,000. Um, but it's, it's been a really crazy journey and, we've seen this appetite for this conversation just increase even more. As I watched the TED Talk, I'm not an athlete. And so her insight into what her world is like was so powerful. I, I really, you know, I knew it was a lot, but I didn't realize how tough it has to be for college athletes, even high school athletes to to stay on top of all of this. And I just had one question I have to ask. Do coaches really still punish the whole team for one person being late or one person's uh, actions? Does that still happen? It's sad, but uh, yeah, coaching, oh, coaching. It's awful. Yeah. Coaching. Uh, it's, it's come, it's, it's the coaching culture is changing and I think sports culture. I think in it is too. Yes. But there's still a lot of practices that are outdated and strugglesome and worrisome. Uh, and it part cause of the, damage. Yeah. It cause I mean, damage. Yes. I won't get into it too much, but part of why I'm here is that uh, I suffered at the hands of a coach that was 
a little too powerful in my life in negative ways. And, um, you know, it took me a really long time to realize that I was in a toxic relationship with my coach, coach right? Um, and I suffered mightily because of it. But part of why I'm a coach is that I love changing that narrative, changing uh, for the next generation and giving back in that way feels really wholesome for me. Yes. Well, good for you. We need more coaches that uh, build people up and not tear them down for sure. Yeah. But that TED talk was just fabulous. And we will put that in the show notes because it's a good one for anyone to watch because I think it not only, like I said, I'm not an athlete, but I could relate to a lot of what she was saying in the TED talk anyway. So it was, it was great. So, you know, speaking about coaches punishing the whole team. Um, you know, I think that's talking about, you know, mental health. And by the way, I do want to talk about that and the taboo nature of it. I'm hoping that goes away. So I want to touch on that in a minute, but since you brought up the, you know, that coaching, I've seen where something might happen and, um, and the coach punishes all, and then that kid is shamed and, that is so hard for that one, whether they came late or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but that's part of that, you know, that um, mental strength that we have to build. Um, and I also am super concerned about the kids who not just the, the, the athlete who is being shamed, but those who are shaming the others. And I think it's huge. I know in our area, there were, I don't know all the details, but in within like nine months, there were two suicides at the high school level. They're both goalies. What does that tell you? And and I saw comments about how parents were saying kids were basically bullying and blaming as if it is a goalie's sole responsibility. I mean, there's a defense, there's an offense, and it's a team, and it's called a team for a reason. Um, but how, what are strategies? How can not only players, people in general, but players have the mental capacity and the strength to be able to put that aside, like we talked about in the Michael Jordan example, right? To put that aside, and have the confidence to know, but then also the people who are bullying, obviously they have some issues themselves. So it goes both ways. It really goes both ways. What are some techniques, strategies? Yeah, well, you're preaching to the choir because I was a college goalie in two schools. Um, And yeah, it's a very isolationist position and your mistakes are put on a large scale, right? Um, But every person on a field makes mistakes. I, as a coach, have made mistakes of calling the wrong play or maybe putting in a player that wasn't ready to play in that certain position, right? Like sports inherently have decisions that need to be made and people make mistakes. Um, And I think when you have the power structure set up so that coaches have so much control over a player's fate, playtime, mental well-being, um, physical well-being. Coaches have control over a lot. You see people start to misuse and abuse it. And if you're an athlete that's grown up in that 
culture, you don't always realize that that's wrong. So you don't realize when you're mistreating yourself or when you're mistreating your friends or your team, right? Um, and I like that you use the word bullying because I think we see coaches that bully on a repeated basis, their players, and then you wonder why the culture of the team might be wrong. It's leadership, right? Um, so I think it does all go back to, you know, setting tones, setting examples, raising it's the, I think as a coach, I like help raise a child. Like it's a huge responsibility. Like I consider it very, very important. And it's not something that I take lightly and we could use some better systems to report those who are misusing them. We could use better systems to report players that are misusing and abusing others. Um, and I think, again, it goes back to this, it all goes back to the sports culture mentality of just being tough guys and being rough and tough, non-emotional. Um, that's not what sports are. Sports are inherently emotional. That's in fact why I watch sports, why I love sports, why I played sports is because it, it makes you feel good. It makes you cry. It makes you laugh. It gives you great memories, right? So taking the emotion out of sports is crazy to me because that's what it's really all about. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's just a, uh, and, and, and I'm really happy, pleased with the fact that players are becoming self-advocates. And I think that's part of being a coach, teaching them how to be self-advocates. And we're hearing in the news, um, even though it may be years later, about um, uh, calling out uh, particular coaches for, for that type of behavior, because it is 100% destructful. And, and I don't, you know, and luckily my daughters had great coaches. Um, you know, there's always, uh, you know, some level of intensity, right. Which is, you know, great, but still there has to be that mental well-being that is a foundation so we try to do it in the classroom, right? We try to build that in the classroom, but it also needs to be, like you said, part of your leadership as a coach as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a tricky situation when, like you said, coaches from maybe in past years and past lifetimes, they don't know that culture and they don't know how destructive this all, this behavior can be. Um, so it's really tough, but just like you said, it builds the culture with the team. And that is, is just so important to really mimic that proper leadership because look who's watching, right? This all came to life too, to me, when Simone Biles backed out of the Olympics, I thought, wow, uh, you know, um, and I remember the conversation, you know, both sides of the story. Oh, she should be tough. She, you know, she has this privilege that other people don't have, but on the other side, there's a person there and we're not thinking about the whole person. And so I think she really brought this out in, you know, to people everywhere about how important mental health really is. And I mean, for someone like Simone, it also was a safety issue of she was not in the right headset to compete, headset to compete. And for someone that's flipping about like tens of, I don't even know how high in the air they flip, right? 20 feet in the air, right? For her not to be mentally there could end her life, like not to be dramatic, but right. If you fall the wrong way on your neck, it's over. And 
I just think the way that people reacted to that was so clear that it is sports have become such a consumer market and it's not really about the athletes. It's, it's about you wanting to watch the athletes and, you know, buy the jersey, entertain us, entertain us, yeah. right. Whether it's like, and spend money on it. And it's just, it's turned into this thing that it's not about the people that are actually there. So I think that was a really clear example. Another one was Naomi Osaka, the tennis player pulled out of um, one of the major tennis tournaments, um, maybe about a year ago. And it was the same thing, right? She was a leading young adult, both Simone and Naomi are young in their fields, right? They're younger athletes, um, probably in their twenties. They both pulled out of major tournaments or major events saying that they couldn't do this. And it's really great to see, I think, this next wave, this next generation step up and be the ones to like lead this change. To lead the change and model that, right? Model that change. It's really important to be able to showcase that. And if you are, um, you know, in the spotlight to be able to show that you can be an advocate for yourself and stand up for yourself and because you know what is best for yourself. Um, because a lot of kids just don't have the sense to do that. But I think seeing others do that is a really, really huge thing. And I also think you to address what I mentioned before, um, how mental health, it can uh, historically have, has been this taboo conversation, right? So I think it also brings to the forefront the importance of that it, it shouldn't be taboo. We exercise, we take care of our bodies, we should also be taking care of our mental well-being as well. And it really, um, you know, again, we try to do that in schools as much as possible, but I think it needs to become part of, um, you know, a global conversation as well. Are there things that Hidden Opponent does to kind of help? Obviously, there is, you know, you're bringing it to light, but what are some particular things? Yeah, so we started originally just as a story sharing platform and a community or a space to gather people who are having these experiences. We didn't really know what it would turn into. Um, you know, we started off with just sharing stories so that people felt less alone, right? Um, and that's, I think, a great place to start. Obviously, I'm an English teacher, so I love that story sharing part. I think sharing stories is one of those powerful things we can do as humans. It makes us human um, and gives us that connection. But we've turned into a fully functioning nonprofit with some amazing programming now. So, so our two highlight programs are really our campus captains program. That's in its third year. The first year was kind of virtual with the pandemic and whatnot. Um, so kind of a test run. But now we're in our third year. We're really full steam ahead. We have over 800 student athlete ambassadors across the country. We're in every, fifth, every one of the 50 states and some international locations. And those student athletes enroll into our program and they choose to be ambassadors of our mission. So that's kind of two pronged. I like to think of it as first, you need to continue furthering your own education on these topics, even topics that maybe don't apply to you. So this month we have a men's mental health panel. Most of our ambassadors are women, which we could get into the stigma of why that might be the case, but it's important for like those women to step into that room so that they can understand, you know, the perspective of male mental health and support the men in their lives. So I think it's really great that we give them opportunities to learn about new things or new topics that they might not know about. And then secondly, they should be using those resources, using that knowledge to then outreach into their communities, whether that's hosting workshops, 
sharing the resources that we provide, holding events, holding community support groups, bringing in a speaker from the hidden opponent, um, hosting an awareness game or like a 5K run, a fundraiser of some sort. Um, our students come up with the most incredible ideas that I didn't even think of. So it's really awesome to see where they take this program and run with it. But I love that outreach component because it's just so grassroots. It's accomplishing way more and touching so many more people than we can via, you know, an Instagram post. And that's really impressive. Our second program is a bit newer, um, only in its really second month or so. But we're now taking that top-down approach and really want to help support the coaches and professionals that are in athletes' lives. So kind of working on the adults who are supporting the athletes. And that's obviously a realm that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, but, you know, it's two-pronged as well. Step one is how can we educate coaches who need more, need more of this to better their profession? But also, how can we support coaches in their own mental health and taking care of themselves? I know as a coach and as an educator myself, I'm only in year three of this profession and I'm very tired. It is hard to do this work, right? It is hard to support athletes, to support students, to be um, such a crutch for some students who might be struggling, right? And it can weigh on you. I know I go, to, I go home and I don't leave my work at home, right? I don't close my laptop and I'm not done for the day. Like I, I carry, I carry weight sometimes and we need to be better about supporting the people who are supporting the athletes. So we got to support our coaches and professionals, whether that's athletic trainers, tutors, psychologists, whomever, um, and make sure that they're taking care of themselves so that they choose to continue staying in this profession and helping, helping the right people. Right. So this is, this one just started with the coaches. Have you found anything that they've been really open to that seems like it has some real potential? Yeah, there's so much potential in this realm. I think it also goes with people are finally waking up to realize that this is important, but also you're starting to get athletes who are turning into coaches who realize that this was important when they were an athlete and they're young adults, you know, like me who are now wanting to change the narrative. So it's two-pronged. I think, you know, older generation is realizing it and wants to be part of it newer generation is also coming in and has that experience or that background. Um, the program has been going really well so far. We are totally open to feedback, of course, and want to hear more, but we've only had two months and we've had great viewership, great, you know, clicks on our resources, people sharing them around. Um, I was on a phone call with an athletic director yesterday, actually from a university that is nearby where I grew up. And it was really awesome to be on that call, kind of feeling that home connection and he was like, so impressed that we were doing this coaching programming all for free. And I was like, yeah, it's important. Like it needs to happen. It's for free. And he asked me like six times, like, you're sure you're not. I know no one believes it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, like this is important work. Like this is for free. Like, please use them. Right. Um, so he's going to like e-blast it out to his entire conference and whatnot. But, you know, just hearing that kind of feedback was so empowering and so great. Um, Cause we're really only in our second month. It's kind of a test run again, this first couple months are always test runs, but it's going really well so far. Are these coaches of all at all levels or mainly college? Yeah. So I'd say something that is true about the hidden opponent is we're doing a really great job of hitting that college level, but something we're also passionate about is growing down and growing upwards. So both professional semi-pro leagues, as well as high school and below. Um, 
our main audience is of course, kind of the college athlete, just because of the nature of our, our background, but this is a community for everyone. And we've absolutely worked with professional teams, high school teams, high schools, um, and whatnot. That's incredible. So how do you fund it then? Do you, I guess you have to do a lot of fundraising. How does that work? That's a great question. Uh, it was a lot of small business owner type putting our own time, energy, money into the small business to begin with. Um, but now that people are, we're in our third year, I'd say we kind of hit some breakthroughs just this past summer of people see the need and are willing to put the dollars to it. Um, of course, we love any kind of support, whether it's just a share on Instagram or a dollar, whatever it might be. But we're finally starting to see some of those larger numbers come in to support our mission more long-term. So professional athletes, how do they play a role? You mentioned them earlier. Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of this conversation in the professional athlete world. And it's great because those are people that little boys and girls and athletes look up to, right? So it's important when someone like Simone Biles says, I'm going to step away and a little gymnast somewhere says, that's really cool. Right. And they see that that's okay. So I'd say that's a huge part, just being those role models. Um, they also just, frankly, they have the, the power to endorse conversations. Um, and we see more athletes endorsing more conversations outside of their sport, right. Whether it's whatever they're passionate about their, their causes and they're being part of it more and more these days, you'll see the people that say, you know, just play the game. Don't, don't get political or don't, you know, do X, Y, and Z off the field. But again, they're people too, right? They have a right to say what they want to say. They have a right to support the causes or, or the whomever politicians that they want to support. Um, and I think that's, again, they're human. They have a platform. They should be using it. Now, do you have professional athletes supporting a hidden opponent? Yeah. I mean, Kobe Bryant was obviously Losing him was one of the hardest things for the world, but for us personally, it hit home too. Um, his biggest endorsement of us was set in stone when he chose to put us in his, uh, he wrote a young adult novel about a swimmer who was facing mental health challenges and wanted to go to the Olympics. And he put us in the Michael Phelps Foundation in the back of his book as two incredible resources. So we're super thankful that that like was kind of that stamp of approval that still was able to be published posthumously. Um, but he of course was one of our, one of our first, and then more informally, we have professional athletes all the time who reach out, share, share our content, will collaborate with us on a post or, you know, want to share their stories with us. So it's been awesome to kind of have just informal conversations with people that, you know, I personally follow on Instagram or that I look up to. So it's been really cool. Right. So how do people find you online? (sighs) I don't know. Social media, probably. <laughs> social media is, yeah, social media seems to be the, the big trend for us. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, Victoria, again, has made a career out of social media. So she's a wizard and knows all the analytical stuff that I don't necessarily know. But I'd say our biggest platform is Instagram and people will organically come across it. Um, I'd say college students come across it if there's a presence of it on their campus. But a lot of people will also just come across it through finding Victoria as well, because she has such a large followership. So yeah, lots of different ways. Where did they find you on Instagram? What's your handle on there? Yes, at the hidden opponent on Instagram or the hidden opponent at the hidden opponent or the hidden opponent.org on, 
online. All right. Yes. So if I were a college athlete and I came to your website, what could I hope to gain? Yeah. I mean, I hope that you can understand that it's an important conversation. And sometimes when we, when I'm pitching what I do with the hidden opponent or what we stand for, I feel like people think it's too niche and it's not, it's a place that is welcoming of all types of people, all sorts of people, whether you were an athlete for a minute or not, whether you, you know, are not really an athlete, but you just care about physical and mental wellness going hand in hand. Right. Um, it's a, and it's also a community that's in dire need, um, which is the hidden opponent is filling a lot of gaps that our organizations our governing organizations of sports are not. So, you know, we're kind of the nation's leading nonprofit in this sphere. There's a couple others that we work hand in hand with, and we love working side by side with them. But, you know, there's a reason that these nonprofits have popped up to support this community because it's, it's a, it's a crisis and it needs. Yeah. And you're becoming a collective voice that now can say, we're not going to stand for this and we're going to advocate for ourselves and our teammates and and try to take care of each other so i think that's great and i also think it's so fantastic your approach of have of, of um providing leadership opportunities for your ambassadors because it provides that domino effect and um you know it's it's getting obviously hit an opponent's name out there but more importantly it's spreading all of what you have to share um, much more easily than you could do just with the two of you. So it's a really strong, strong uh, strategy for sure. I'd also just add that something people don't often realize is top, top level college athletes don't really have opportunities to do a ton of other things with their time in college. I was fortunate. I went to a small division three school, so I was able to be multifaceted, um, study what I wanted to study and have internships and do things over the summer that I wanted to do. But some of your top level athletes, their whole lives are dead. It's a full-time job. They don't have time to go get a summer internship to, you know, join the clubs they want to join. So for them, this is also like really cool work experience that they can then put on a resume and say, you know, here's how I, yes, was a student athlete, but also had this other cool part of my college career dedicated to helping others and gaining reasonable skills and experience. I think that's another great just job training type of piece. Well, and speaking of job training, I have a personal question for you. How has this affected you as a teacher oh. in the classroom and a coach? It's a great question. Um, the hidden opponent has been such an incredible part of my personal growth and my, and my job growth. I'd say teaching is of course my first and primary job. It's what pays my bills. Right. And that's, if someone asks, what's my career, my career is in teaching, but the hidden opponent, I have to say running a small business, running a small nonprofit, that's now not so small anymore, um, has taught me so many things. Like I've done accounting communications, like public relations, like website design. Like I've done, I've, I've had a hand in so much of, you know, managing the team and recruiting people and hiring people and having hard conversations as a boss, you know, and for me at 24 years old to have this like executive position is both crazy, but also really beautiful and has taught me so much there. It's also extremely healing in that it's helped me make sense of my own athletic journey and my own struggles and come to some like 
peace with that. Last piece I would say is, you know, as a teacher and a coach, it just makes me more aware of what students are facing. I was fortunate not to have been really a student during the pandemic, um, but the people that I interact with day to day at the Independent, many of them are still students, college students, or, you know, some even high school students. And they are like the little feet on the ground that can tell me what it's like being a high schooler right now, being a college student right now, the pressures they face, the things that they're seeing. So it's really great because I get like my own little sample of across the country what's happening. And I can then use that to be more understanding and a better teacher in my classroom. I bet so. Yes. And it seems like you have three different jobs, so to speak, but they are all really interconnected and um, they're all developing you <laughs> to be the best you can be, which I think really reflects out to your students as well. So that's, that's very powerful. I guess as we bring this to a close today, what has in these three years, what's become clear to you as you think about your journey with Hidden Opponent? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say this is bringing it back to the classroom maybe, but I guess I didn't realize how impactful just like one adult can be on a child's life or an athlete's life or, or you know, just a student at school. Um, and of course I had those people in my life growing up that were super impactful and that's what drew me to teaching. But I would say the hidden opponent has shown me that those people can be literally life-saving. And that is something that I take so near and like I hold so close to my heart and I, I recognize the honor and the privilege and the responsibility of my job as a teacher and a coach and a protector. Um, and I think the hidden opponent and just being involved in the sphere and hearing people's so many people's stories has shown me the power of what my many jobs can be. Um, and it, again, as you said, all my jobs kind of marry really nicely. Um, and it just feels really good to be in all these different realms in a positive way. And I love hearing you say how important your job is and how you understand how much effect you're having on people because teaching right now is so difficult. Being in education is so hard and, and it really is, it, it's almost a gift to people that are in education to be able to have this influence on students and to be a positive uplifter. So I, I really love that you said that. That's, that's so important. I think you have to hold on to the power of it, right? And continue to believe in the power of education and the power of a good teacher. Um, otherwise, I would definitely be going crazy by now. But you're right, teaching is very hard. It's a thankless job, both in society and you know in day-to-day -day work. But um, again, I, I, I still do believe in the power of it. So as long as that's true, I'll be here. It's true. It's absolutely true. You're doing all good and gifts that you're giving to your students just keep giving. So, and also to those who uh, rely on you and your partner for resources on Hidden Opponent. And I can't wait to share this podcast because um, I think it's, it's, it's so important. It really is so important. So we really appreciate you and all the work that you do for sure. Thank you. I appreciate y'all for having these conversations, for leading, leading some really great, important conversations in this sphere. Oh, 
yes. Thank you so much for being our guest today. And we will have the links to the hidden opponent so that more people can get connected. So thank you so much, Leanne. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.